Welcome to episode 92 of the Sports Corner Podcast. My name is Nick, joined as always by my good friend Stephen, and tonight joined by special guest Ben Burnett as we break down the University of Tennessee preseason, get you ready for their kickoff this Thursday. We're going to talk about week zero of college football and some other stuff going on in the league and across some other sports as well. We're so glad that you're here. Stephen, how are you? I am swell, my friend. Good to hear. Ben, how are you? Doing great. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Glad you are here. Um, ben is, without a doubt, the, um, you know, Tennessee expert is what I want to say. But he I think, is like, the true I think definition of a Tennessee fanatic. Fanatic, yes. Fanatic. And so, whereas yeah. I do believe he has expert knowledge of the team, I think sometimes the orange tinted glasses can get in the way of that expert knowledge. So, yeah. we'll see as we get into it tonight. We'll let you, the listener, be the judge of just how much do we get of um, fair and balanced analysis and how much of orange-tinted glasses we got. However, before we get into the lovely University of Tennessee Volunteers and their upcoming football season, sophomore season for head coach uh, Josh Heupel, we've got a couple of pre-show notes for you. You have just a couple of more uh, weeks, two weeks to be exact, to register for um actually is it two no it's one week you have seven days seven days to register for our uh lovely contest that is going on right now you have a chance to win 25 dollar amazon gift card and all you have to do is rate our podcast five stars and then send us a screenshot of that review now you can rate us on itunes you can rate us on um uh, Spotify, those would be my two preferences. But if you can rate us on Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you listen to, that's fine. Just send me the screenshot and you will be entered to win. Uh, Got to rate us five stars, though, to be eligible. Um, you can send Thank that you to. Know. You can send that to sportscornernox at gmail.com. You can tweet that to us in a direct message or just tag us in the tweet. Uh, and you can also join our Discord server. The link to that is in the chat and the show notes. And you can uh, there's, a, there's a page there uh, that you can absolutely just send that screenshot and you will be eligible to win. Uh, we're starting to get a few more. Yeah, let's see. We got a few. I can read one tonight. Yes, get, read us a review. All right, we got a five star review from um, somebody called Silver Fox Orange Eyes. Okay, not sure who that is, but he no. sounds a little biased in his review here. But we'll read it. These guys clearly love sports, especially college football, and it's fun listening to them talk about it. I especially enjoyed the orange tinted glasses segments. That dude is the coolest. Hmm. I like that sure guy who too. That is. It would write such a thing. It, it's no. amazing. It's amazing because, like, this isn't our first orange tinted glasses segment, but it's the first one in like two years. So the yeah, fact that someone like commented that like the day before we had uh, another orange, and I mean that's amazing. I, Al's fishy. I, I mean, you know, the the audience knows what they want. I mean, they know what they want. They want what they know. Right. Give the people that's what right. they want. Another one, one more came here. In. Yeah, go ahead, read that for us. Um, it's called Great Pod from UT underscore Doogie. Okay. Such a great show. Two level-headed guys, even if they are OU and Texas fans. Go Vols, Doogie. Well, debatable whether or not we're level-headed, but we'll take the five stars. You got scammed. We are more level-headed than the third person on our pod tonight. 
Easy. Potentially, potentially. Uh, thank you guys for the five-star reviews. In addition to being entered to the contest, as always, if you rate us five stars and leave that review, we will read it live on the show so that you are recorded in infamy forever. Right. Uh, we thank you for listening to the podcast. You can catch us live on twitch.tv slash pastornick86 every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can join in, be a part of the chat, help guide the show. Your input always makes it in. And so if you want to be part of the show live, you can do that. If not, we're on your favorite podcast app by Tuesday morning, uh, the Sports Corner podcast. We're on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, everywhere you're looking for a podcast. So be sure to find us. Be sure to rate us. Be sure to show us a little bit of love. You can also catch us on our social medias. Uh, I am at Pastor Nick 86 Steven is at Stephen McCoy 23 The show is on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Corner 865 The Discord is already in the chat and the show notes. Join that for a great way to interact with us live and in the moment. And then, um, Ben, you can be found on the old Twitter at Reckless Mosquito. That'll be in the show notes as well. If you want to follow some orange commentary throughout the season, that would be a great place to find it. Unbiased commentary. Hey, there's no, there's nothing wrong with being biased so long as you can admit (laughs) you're being biased. I'm all for it. I will give some very biased OU opinions throughout the season on my personal. I'll keep it, I'll keep it, uh, you know, neutral on the sports corner page, which Steven, you weren't kind of keeping it neutral on the sports corner page. Uh, earlier this week when you're like, oh, now we know what Texas's problem was last year. I, I simply posed the question. You posed the question. All right. Hey, let's jump into things going on in the world of sports. So what we're going to yeah. do tonight is um, most of our show is going to focus on UT, getting you ready for the upcoming season. Um, but before we do that, there are a couple of things that we want to talk about. Uh, of course, we want to talk a little bit about week zero of college football. There's a couple of stories there that's worth mentioning. But before we do that, we have some... NFL news, you know we don't cover NFL a ton, especially so close and in the middle of college football, but there are two stories uh, out of the NFL circuit that are worth mentioning. The first one um, is the story of Brian Robinson. Uh, If you haven't heard, know who he is. He is a rookie running back for the Washington Commanders, um, Mm -hmm. which is the team there in Washington, D.C., and... You know, I have not seen new coverage today, Stephen, so you might have a little bit more up-to-date information than I do, Yeah. but he was taken to the hospital yesterday, thankfully in stable uh, condition, um, after being shot multiple times in what was, at the last night anyway, described as either a potential robbery or carjacking incident. Yeah, so he was getting food from somewhere, I don't know if that means drive-through or like a pickup at a restaurant or what, but he was getting food and it was in an attempted carjacking and robbery he uh, wrestled the handgun away from one of the suspects. The other suspect then shot him multiple times. Um, I believe I've heard at least one was in his leg. Mm. Um, he is in stable condition. He is expected to make a full recovery. Um, and he did say that he was hopeful to play this season. So obviously that is high hopes. And we're very early in that. Not sure if he will be ready, if the team will allow him to. Um, but as you mentioned, he was a third round pick out of Alabama there. So he's a rookie. Um, he had won the starting job throughout the preseason camp. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Story, super sad. Yeah. Obviously, any kind of violence is never ideal. It's terrible. Uh, I will say, I guess if there is a positive here, it's pretty rare to hear a story of someone being shot multiple times at close range and then being in stable condition that same night. So, Yes. Um, grateful for yeah, that. Team went and visited him. Uh, Ron Rivera said he talked I was to say, him. I saw Rivera's tweet uh, earlier today um, that you know he kind of you know was given 
thanks to everyone for praying for him and thinking about him and all that. So, crazy story. I mean, I wonder if the people that did that, like, knew that he was an NFL player and potentially would have some money or if it was just so completely random. Um, you know, obviously not justified any way, shape, or form, but glad that he is in civil condition. You know, prayers that he continues to recover and man what an amazing story that will be when he does return to the field hopefully this year but even if it's next you know that'll be a great story there absolutely uh, other thing is uh, less encouraging not that that being shot is an encouraging story but the recovery part is but um the buffalo bill speaking of rookie players had to release their sixth round draft pick he was a rookie punter by the name of matt ariaza um and this is in the wake of a civil suit that is alleging some pretty horrendous crimes committed by Ariaza, as well as two other members of the San Diego State University, which is where he played college ball, um, athletes, and then there was also a fourth, to my knowledge, unnamed perpetrator. Um, we don't want to cover the details of this crime because we know that some of you listen in your car and you might have kids with you, and honestly, it's just such a disgusting topic that we don't want to spend time um, really talking about it. What I would recommend is ESPN has some articles about it. Every sports coverage place is, so if you want to know more about it, look that up. Um, but basically a criminal investigation is ongoing into those alleged events. Um, so, you know, this is one of those things where the civil suit proceeded before the criminal suit. Um, and there's some probably commentary worth having about that. Um, but either way, um, the Buffalo Bills did decide to release him initially. They kind of said they were going to look into it. He didn't suit up and play in the game, but it was kind of unsure what would happen. I do know that the NFL said that because... Um, this incident happened before he was drafted. He wouldn't necessarily be subject to league personal conduct policy. So I guess the Bills hands weren't necessarily forced. I don't know if we're patting them on the back for doing the right thing or not. I don't know. Matt, Chath Matt Chatham, Chatham on Twitter, um, he summed it up pretty well. He said, if Matt Ariaza had been a highly drafted quarterback, he would not have been released. They would, quote, let the process play out. Doing the right thing is infinitely easier to do when it's a punter. That's the reality of the NFL. It's, quote, bigger than football when you can afford for it to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I agree with that statement or if I disagree with that statement. Because, obviously, the, the easy... The proven time and again that they are the going easy to at least comparison, let the process play out. The easy comparison is the Watson situation there in Cleveland where, um, you know, a six-game suspension is eventually elongated to 11 months, or 11 games, sorry, six-game to 11-game, but still going to play, still going to be making all this money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm not in any way excusing what he did. Um, it's, you know, heinous and all that. But what Matt Ariazzo is being said to have done, being accused of, and apparently there's enough smoke there um you know, because I, I did read something that said that the attorneys for the uh, Buffalo Bills spoke to the plaintiff's attorneys and he basically laid out like their evidence. And that's kind of when the Bills made their decision. So I think they were trying to kind of insulate and say, we're going to let this take place. We're going to you know, get all the evidence. And then when they heard the evidence, they're like, mm, we got to get out in front of this. I don't know. Yeah, I think if he was a first round would, pick, maybe I this would, plays out different. But I would buy that more if it's not on record that the Bills were given the full details yeah. prior to releasing their prior punter who they released last week right. uh, and, and then named Matt Ariaza the starter. I would believe it more if they hadn't released him after receiving all of the information that they then used to kick him off the team. Yeah, it is interesting because the Bills did say, hey, none of this came out in the pre 
draft stuff. We even touched base with other teams that were looking at drafting him. None of this was known then. But also the defense, or the, yeah, uh, I don't have an the, issue with them drafting him. Right. My the, issue comes from you knew yeah, about it, you cut the other guy. Well, I was just gonna say the, the attorney for this young woman who's going by Jane Doe in the lawsuit, um, basically says, No, they failed to act initially and they're trying to cover their base, and I'm ashamed of them. So, yeah, there's yeah. probably some truth to that, but uh, horrible story. Um, you know, whether the Bills made the choice too soon, too late, whatever, um, you know, uh, they did make just, it, they did. And all I'll say is that I'm sure to some extent they're still going to owe this guy money. So um, whether they waited too long to make it or not, I think that's an argument. My point is, is um, even though this is just a civil case at this point, no way they're cutting a guy and paying him a bunch of money and if they weren't pretty sure that this dude was guilty. So take that yeah. for what it's worth. Uh, we'll see as it plays out. I'm assuming some criminal charges will follow along uh, before too long. So. That's and the unpleasant news, though. Let's get out of the unpleasant yeah. stuff, Stephen. Talk, talk to us yeah. about some football. All right. Uh, Vandy, the number one team in the SEC currently. They <laughs> crushed Hawaii on Saturday night. I'm sure everybody here watched that game, right? Kicked off at 2 a.m., it felt like. <laughs> I watched the first half. So uh, They beat Hawaii 63-10. to That is Vandy's most points since November 22nd, 1969 against Davidson. Their largest margin of victory since 2012. And just their second road win since 2018. Wow. So that has stats pretty terrible. Second yeah. road win. Yes. Um, so Vandy on the board early this year uh, with a resounding win. Their quarterback looks pretty good. Um, I do think Hawaii is pretty terrible, though. So we'll see if that holds true. Um, next, Nebraska. Nebraska. Hold on. Before you move on to Nebraska, I mean, yeah. let's let's just – Let's just sit here for just a second because I know Hawaii is not a good team. I don't think we're expecting them to be a great team. But, I mean. It's a, it's a good win for Vandy. I mean, Vandy lost to Tennessee. Uh, who was it? Uh, wasn't Tennessee Tech. Who was it they lost ETSU. to? ETSU. Yeah, ETSU. ETSU. I mean, yeah. Hawaii's got to be a better team than ETSU. Well. Now, ETSU, I mean, um, they. I don't know. Uh, ETSU actually uh, went to the uh, semifinals or something like that last yeah, year. Here's, uh, here's the thing. Does they were this competent. really count as a road win since it, you know they played in front of like three people in the stands? So this is really like a home game for me. I'm just right? saying. I mean, the atmosphere is probably the same, but when you got to fly to Hawaii, you can count that as a road. Oh, game. that's so tough. Yeah, and and the it's the a time, lot of jet lag. It's a time difference, you know, yeah. and and it, it, your rhythm is off. I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, I'm just saying Vanderbilt plays Elon next. They also have Northern Illinois on their schedule. Be the most hey, that sounds like Kentucky schedule. They could, yeah. Uh, Carson uh, Newman used to play Elon. Is Elon Division One now? I thought they were Division Two. It Probably would be not. the most Vandy thing ever to lose to Elon next week. Oh, I would love yeah. it. It'd be hilarious. Uh, Elon, let's see, lost. Uh, no, that was that. This will be their first game. They didn't play last week. They lost to App State last year, forty-one to ten. Uh, in a, I guess, a bullish kind of game. So, hey, Vandy. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's enough, Vandy. That's, that's enough, Vandy. We don't want to talk Vandy. anymore, Vandy. I'm so proud of you guys. Right. Um, moving on to Purple Vandy. Okay. Purple Vandy. Uh, Purple otherwise Vandy. known as Northwestern. They're Northwestern. Known name. Um, they hand Scott Frost his first loss of the season. First of probably not too many, I'm guessing. Yeah. Not because Nebraska's not going to lose a lot of games, just because Scott Frost's not going to be around for those. Um, they beat. Northwestern beats Nebraska 31 to 28 in Dublin, Ireland, in some weird random start of the year game that gets 
played in Iron I don't hate this. Really it's fine. Um, I don't mind news, this. It's fine. And uh, Wi-Fi went out in the stadium. Everybody got free beer over there, so they were mm-hmm. happy. They didn't care who was playing after that. No. So, do, do people in Ireland care about American football? I mean, they filled up that stadium. Did they, though? Yes. So, I'm not saying it was a big stadium, but it was full. I have a question for you guys. So Scott, this is the, the question is, Scott Frost at Nebraska is, and I'm going to give you some options, and you tell me which one is the answer, okay? Scott, Bro- Scott Frost at Nebraska is A, 5-21 and 21 in one-score games, B, 0-13 versus AP top 25 teams, C, 10-29 and 29 versus Power 5 teams, D, 15-30 and 30 overall, or E, all of the above. It's, a, it's always E. It's all of it's, the above. It's e. I, I, but the only thing is, like, I'm kind of surprised. Read me that second to last stat again. 15 and 30 overall. Like, uh, what was wait, what was one before that? There was another one there. 10 what and 29 it? versus Power 5 teams? He's yeah. lost to a non-Power 5 team. <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, kind of surprised he won 10 games against Power 5 teams is all. Uh, he only won five. You guys saw the stat comparing him to Bo Pelini, that if he won his next 50 games, he still wouldn't have as good a Yeah, that's insane. And they ran that dude out of town. <laughs> I mean, he's got to win fifty games in a row and still doesn't have the same. Do you record understand how hard it is to go five and twenty-one in one-score games? Like, legitimately, well, it, can I it's can I no tell you how you do luck. it? Can I tell you how you manage that? You onside kick up eleven. <laughs> You're up twenty-eight seventeen midway through the third quarter, and you think, what can I potentially do to turn this into a one-score game? Because I'm really good at those. And that's exactly what Scott Frost does. He calls the onside kick, leading 28-17. What happens? Well, Northwestern gets it, and five plays later, they score. And then the Huskers never put up another point. And Northwestern, who was one of the few teams on Nebraska's schedule that they had probably circled as a win, is gone. So I will say Nebraska better figure things out. They've got North Dakota next. (laughs) And then Georgia Southern. So by golly, if they don't enter on, guys. that OU game at least two and one. Well, <laughs> if they don't enter OU game two and one, Scott Frost is not coaching the OU game. Here's my thing. Okay. Scott Frost, his buyout is fifteen million dollars until October second. Okay, so he gets fired October third. No, well, he gets he gets fired October second. On October first, if he's still employed, he's fifteen. On October second, okay. it goes down to seven point five. So yeah, here's my yeah. thought: Scott Frost knows that he is fired, right? On October second, he knows that. So yeah. why does he decide to choose an onside kick? Why does he say in a press conference that we're exercising our kids so much that they're vomiting all over the sidelines? This dude is trying to get fired before his buyout cuts hey, in half. Sense. That's his on yeah. This is my hot take on Scott Frost. He knows. He knows. Because if the last guy was run out of town when he had 50 more wins than you, you know you're – listen, he had to restructure his contract last year so that he could keep assistant coaches and keep his job. He's like, yes, pay me less money. Please just don't fire me because i got to make this buyout. Like, you know, like – and so it's it's not a good one. He's been there four years. This is his fourth year, right? Or fifth year? Fifth year. Fifth year. Okay. He's won five games in four years. It would take him more than 10 years to get fi- those 50 wins to catch Bo Pelini. It's not um, not looking good for him now. Here's what I'll say. Because all this spells disaster for when Oklahoma travels up to Lincoln. <laughs> he's going to lose these next two games. He's going to go into that OU game 0-3. And, and then he's just going to like take OU to the woodshed somehow. When yeah, is the OU game? It's not going to happen. September 17th, noon kickoff. Okay. See, if you played the 24th, I could see him being like, all right, now I can coach again because yeah. they're not going to fire me now. So Right, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so 
Scott Frost was three and twenty when trailing at the half. That's, and is there? I know he took some responsibility for the onside kick. He came out and said, "Like this was a bad like call. I shouldn't. If I could do it again, I wouldn't." Which, duh. But yeah, did you well, also hear him that he called out his offensive coordinator? Oh yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. Uh, "I think the offensive staff is starting to realize that you got to be creative in this league, dude." Yeah. It was Northwestern, and you were up. And what are you talking and he, about. And he called plays until like last season. Yeah. Well, I mean, going through all the coaching carousel with Tennessee, like that's you know he he's a he's he's dead man walking when you start blaming somebody else. Yeah. Well, that's been this guy's mo though. Like he yeah, he can he's... hardly take blame for anything ever. Uh, let's just say that um, both Nebraska and Tennessee are currently coached by people that were at UCF, <laughs> and Tennessee for once in its history came out on top. Think the barometer. Let's, let's hope so. Knock, 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 knock on, on some wood. wood. Last, uh, all right. uh, last non-Tennessee thing. I'll be quick here. Um, so Florida A&M played North Carolina over the weekend. It was, they made headlines because they were missing something like 25, 28 players due to uh, eligibility issues, some being transfer-related, some being academic. Um, they have since uh, had 88 members of the, of the Florida A&M football team sign this letter that they have sent to the university, to the uh, president and uh, through the board of directors or trustees, whatever you call them. Um, and so here are some of the things named in that um, in that letter on why Florida A&M had so many players out. So they're claiming that they were out for eligibility issues that were not due to bad grades. Some of the reasons that they say their administration has failed them include financial aid delays leading to evictions from their housing, class registration delays, basically they're Turning all their information on time, they're not processing it in time, causing them to not be able to get into classes. Bad advice and eligibility requirements. This is what led to their uh, All-American from last season not being able to play against North Carolina. He was told he needed to take six hours of summer school over the summer, and so he did. He needed to take nine hours of Sunday school over the summer, and so he was not eligible. Summer school? Yeah. Whatever, it's all the same. Cutting funding for summer housing, meaning they cannot live on campus over the summer, forcing them to go get jobs, which keeps them from being able to work out, take classes, all of that. And then finally, cutting tickets for family. So we were supposed to have four tickets for that North Carolina game. They cut that to two at the last minute, forcing their families that were already signed up, bought their hotels, bought their plane tickets and everything, to have to pay up money to also pay for tickets there. I mean, I can't imagine that a ticket to that game is very much... I'm not saying it's right, but uh, yeah, uh, sorry, mom. I mean, imagine, you're, at, you're at another thirteen fifty-two. Imagine, yeah. I mean, I get that, but still. So, so in response, the AM, Florida A&M players have said that they will protest their lack of support by kneeling during the alma mater, citing, "We will not sing a song that begins College of Love and Charity when we feel neither from this university." That seems fair. Yeah, College of Love and Charity. Yeah, well, we're not giving you any money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a really crazy situation there. Um, 88 I, I, players signed it today, so. Yeah, that's a lot. I think it'd be awesome if they're just like, we're not playing. Shut it down. But they have said they're going to play. For their coaches, for their family, yeah, and the yada, yada, yada. They're yada. not. Sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them for not. Some of those guys have, you know, they're obviously probably not a lot of them that are going to be drafted. But if Correct. you are thinking if there's a chance, I got to get out there and play. All right, I got to do that, so. Um, uh, interesting. Totally. It's a fun. That was week zero of college football, and there's already fun stuff happening, man. We missed 
college football. We're glad that it's back. Week one is coming up this, I would say Saturday, but you guys wearing orange, you know that it's happening this Thursday. Oh, yeah. Let's jump into it. Let's talk about the University of Tennessee. Let's jump into what happened last year so that we can talk about what's going to, in our opinions, happen this year. You got that recap? You want me to start it? I got that recap for you. Tennessee finished the regular season 7-5 and five under head coach Josh Heupel in his first season as head coach for the UT Volunteers. Ended up 7-6 and six overall after a wonky overtime loss in the bowl game. Uh, but some interesting notes about it. They scored 35 or, m- or more points eight times. An additional game, they scored 34 points. And their high-scoring game was 62 points over Missouri. Uh, they had some wins against teams like Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, but then also wins against teams like Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and then also then on conference, South Alabama. Their losses were to teams like Pitt, Florida, Ole Miss, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and then that overtime loss to Purdue in the bowl game. So that is what happened in a re- quick recap as far as just on the on the field, what went on and off. Let me ask you guys a question. Yeah. What, in your opinion, was the most disappointing loss last year for the Vols? Uh, Florida. It's always Florida. Florida won that being awful. No, for me, it was the Ole Miss game. Um, But that one, you know, of course, Florida, like a Florida loss, that's old hat. But, you know, the Ole Miss game was within reach, and it just kind of felt like... Within reach, you just don't run out of bounds on the last play of the game with no time. I mean, you know, a lot of things went wrong that game. Um, but you know, that one really, really hurt because I think if we play that game 10 times, we don't lose all 10. You know, I think that was the game that, that we were capable of winning. It just, you know, we did a lot of bad things in yeah. that game. I got a fun fact for you. Uh-huh. Heupel last season had the most regular season wins of any first year head coach in division one or in the power five at least. Yeah. Well, let's um, talk not, about not Shane Beamer for the record. Not not the anointed one. No. Um, yeah, Brandon over on our Facebook chat blames uh, Joe Milton for that game. Yeah, one pretty. Well, Another uh, frustrating loss was Pitt. Yeah, um, that was early in the season, and you know I don't think we quite you know we hadn't. It was a meltdown. Yeah, well, and and you know we Hendon Hooker wasn't starting that game. A lot of things went wrong, and that's. Um, that one was frustrating, but the Ole Miss game, it felt like, you know, we'd gotten things figured out, and then we just didn't. Leave Hooker so one of his two picks against Pittsburgh. I wasn't plus until the fifth game of the season, uh, that's Missouri, by the way, that Hooker was the only quarterback to take snaps. In all the previous games, he was splitting some reps, splitting some snaps. Uh, so that was interesting. And, of course, that uh, Missouri game is the game that we went out and scored the most points for. I mentioned that earlier, putting up a total of 62 points in that game. Uh, I agree with Steven that Florida was the most disappointing loss for, I know, and, and Ben, I think you make a good point, like, that's almost expected at this point, but then when you realize that Florida only won two conference games against UT and then against Vandy, uh, it just stings, because you got to get those. Uh, Codzilla Returns, thank you for the follow, appreciate that. Um, welcome in, welcome in. We're talking Tennessee football tonight, yeah. we're jumping on. Uh, we have uh, any award winners that you want to mention? I had a few written down, Steven, you have any? Yeah. Josh Happel was the co-winner of the Steve Spurrier first mm-hmm. year head coach award. I mentioned he won the most regular season games of any coach. He of course shared that award with the anointed one for some Shane reason Beamer. I will never understand. Um, and this is Heupel's second time winning this award. He won it at UCF in 2018. Yes. Godzilla, Village- also thank you for the sub, uh, for Twitch Prime sub. Sorry. 
Uh, Vilas Jones was also named a first-team All-SEC performer um, that came as an all-purpose player and as a kick returner. So he was on there twice, which is weird. Cade yeah. Mays was the second-team All-SEC offensive lineman. Theo Jackson made second-team for the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. And then the team went on to break some records last year. Most yeah. points in school history, 511. The previous mark was 484, maybe. Wow. We'll go with that. They averaged 38.8 points per game, which is the second most in legitimate program history. I'm sure there's some time way back when they might have averaged more. But in 1998, they averaged 42.8 points. So second most. They had the most touchdowns in school history with 67. And then they set their school record for the most yards in a bowl game with 663 against Purdue. Nice. Is that yards we gave up or yards that we actually have? <laughs> yeah. uh, both, I believe. <laughs> okay. The numbers were very similar. That was bad. I mentioned earlier that uh, it took several games for Hooker to become Tennessee's lone quarterback. There were some games after that where other guys got to toss the ball around because of some injuries or some other things like that or maybe some garbage time snaps. So let me ask you guys, statistically speaking, who is the most accurate quarterback for the Vols last year? Uh, is it an actual well, quarterback or are you giving me like some one-for-one thing? <laughs> I mean, it is a quarterback. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of who would have played last year uh, and gone in for like one snap and thrown one completed mm-hmm. pass. Someone they like have Harrison more than Bailey one completed. Or, they have more than one completed pass. Uh, uh, it would awesome. be Harrison Bailey or Brian Mara, maybe because they went and maybe went two for two or something. I will go um, Brian Mara final answer. I, I, I'll say Harrison Bailey. Good guesses. Uh, both of you are incorrect. It's Gaston Moore. He was oh, two yeah, for two, guy. two for two <laughs> for six <laughs> yards in the South Alabama game. Yeah, I uh, who was <laughs> you did you did you nailed that one who was the yeah. least accurate quarterback uh, this one Joe uh, yeah is it not joe milton it's sadly it's not it's tight end princeton fan oh okay. he completed this zero is, zero percent of his passes he went zero for one in the georgia game i don't know why in georgia of though? all game no i mean he, he's a tight end so i don't know i don't remember that play I i'm guessing it was some kind of it's, trick play uh, but uh, uh, not a tight end so now that you mentioned it, I actually do remember that play, and you know, I, I think we tried to do something cheeky, and it didn't. Yeah, did, didn't. Well, you know, hey, it wasn't intercepted, so yeah, you're down, yeah. By, you're down by 108, you might as well. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, so that's kind of what happened last year. I think we could all agree that um, going seven and five. Well, I guess I won't say we all agree. Let's talk about this for a second. Uh, start with you, Ben. Um, seven and five. It's Coach Heupel's first year. How, what what did that make you feel as a Vol fan? Were you excited for that? Were you hoping, expecting more? What did seven and five do for you last year? Um, no, I, I was excited at the beginning of the season. I had kind of predicted eight wins, which you know that my predictions are always mm-hmm. uh, you know always favor Tennessee. Uh, and looking back on the season, of course, we didn't win eight games, but I think there were eight games on the schedule that were winnable. Um, you know, like I said, the Ole Miss game was within reach. The Pittsburgh game was within reach. Uh, and we blew both of those. So, uh, no, I was not disappointed. The team looked like you could see them improve, which was a thing that we hadn't seen. Um, they, we, Even in games like uh, Georgia and Alabama, they went in with a game plan that looked like it was going to be effective. Uh, we didn't have the personnel to compete with them last year. I'm not sure that we have the personnel to compete with them this year. But it was obvious that, you know, the scheme was was a reasonable scheme. So, uh, yes, I was I was pleased with Heupel. Um, and I saw a lot of things that were very encouraging that I hadn't seen um, with the last, but however many previous <laughs> coaches that we've had, so. All right, Stephen, what about you? Uh, you're muted. 
What was the question? Oh, oh, seven and five overall last year. Um, how you know? How'd you feel about that? Uh, that's about what I expected. It was kind of heartbreaking how those games ended up. A lot. Um, I think if you just told me before the season last year, hey, you're going to go seven and five, you're going to lose to these five teams, I'd be like, okay, well, that sounds about right. Um, having watched those games, it doesn't feel fair. Uh, like it doesn't feel like a justified record. I felt like they played well enough to deserve um, another win that just didn't fall their way. So okay. Um, all in all, though, seven and five was about what I expected going into last season. Yeah, it's the most recent of the Vol fans, and I am I am a Tennessee fan. I do like them to win. Um, I do root for their success. It helps with having a former Oklahoma player as the head coach. Um, with that said, I'm probably the least biased in that fandom. Um, so with that said, I, I thought seven and five was impressive. I, Steven, I think that's a good point. If you would have told me that we lose five games and you tell me that they're to teams like Pitt to Florida to Alabama and to Georgia being four of those teams, you know, you're not necessarily surprised that those games didn't go your way. Now, in the hindsight of seeing how bad Florida was, you think, man, what if? Um, and, and of course, uh, again, uh, nothing but a homer would really be saying that that Georgia and Alabama game were you know, winnable games, but obviously Pitt was, obviously Florida was, and then of course the bowl game, I mean, goodness, that went into overtime, there was some shenanigans, hijinks there that was made that, you know, I don't, I don't really put that on, on the coaches or anything like that, so I thought 7-5 and five was really good, making it to a bowl game felt good, getting those extra practices with the new staff and all that was great, and I'm really looking forward to seeing, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to seeing what this team looks like, you know, a whole another year um, with the coaching. So anything else about last year that we need to talk about before we start moving into this year? No, let's dive into it. Well, let's I wasn't just talking to you, Stephen. It's not all about you this episode, okay? <laughs> no, no, let's talk about this year. Enough, enough dwelling Turn on Turn the page. <laughs> Turn the page. All right, let's talk a little bit about um, the brief, little brief preview of the opponents for yeah. this coming year. Obviously, we'll start here in week one. It's a Thursday night game, 7 p.m. Needland Stadium is going to be ready for Mighty Ball State to come in. Ball State was 6-7 and seven last year. Um, I, I, I don't think any of us are going to be controversial in how we anticipate this game going, but let's talk about that game a little bit. Ball State is Ball State. I mean, should go as planned. Okay. Um, should be a fairly very vanilla in my opinion, but okay. I think vanilla with this offense is fine. I, um, I had the balls winning big personally. I don't think Ball State can keep up. I don't think uh, the good news is it's later, so we shouldn't have any Ole Miss cramps going on. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I had okay. Ball sixty three fourteen. Um, Ball State uh, was competent last year, like you said. I don't I don't think they were good. Um, I actually have a friend who went to Ball State. It's in Muncie, Indiana, if anybody's curious. <laughs> Not that that matters. Um, but I think they're breaking in a new quarterback. And I think uh, seven of their eight leading tacklers uh, who were on the defense last year are not back. So they're breaking in uh, pretty much all their defense. Um, and, you know, this game for Tennessee will be a tune-up game. Uh, and so hopefully you get a lot of young guys playing. You know, you got some guys who haven't run the offense yet, haven't run the defense yet, should get a chance um, you know, in a situation where we would expect to win. So um, I, I expect Tennessee to come out uh, early and uh, put some points up early, hang some points, get the game out of reach, then slow it down, let some young kids play. And, um, you know, like I said, I think we're going to win. I'll say somewhere around 56 to 10, something like that is what I'm thinking. 
There's yeah, I got to be honest. I'm not going to pick scores for most of these games. Maybe this one, since it is this upcoming game. But I think that Ben brings up the best point of saying that um, they're breaking in a lot of new players. I mean, not only is it an inferior team, which gives Tennessee a huge advantage, but when you're breaking in new players against a potent Josh Heupel offense, that's probably not going to go well for them. Yeah. Now, I've, I've been an OU fan long enough to know that sometimes the superior team plays down to the inferior opponent in week one. Uh, but I don't think Tennessee is going to struggle in any way, shape, or form. I think this is easily a three-plus touchdown uh, score differential. We'll see a lot of players play. We'll see a lot of good things. There'll be a lot of fireworks and cheering and happy fans. Three years removed. 30, 34. Do we know what the over-under is for that game? I haven't seen it yet. It's somewhere around 35. Oh, okay. So um, they think uh, they think Ball State's going to score one point. So. so um, <laughs> oh, sorry. The over-under. I'm sorry. Uh, it's yeah. somewhere in the... Somewhere in the 60s. Or 60s, okay. So. Yeah, Tennessee's favorite. Um, okay, 35, so that's gone up. So we are three years removed from losing Georgia State, Nick. So Yeah, no, I know. Last year, yeah. Ball State's big out-of-conference matchup came um, in week two against Penn State. Penn State Penn beat them 44-13. to 13, So um, don't see that they, one. Uh, Ball State uh, did beat Akron, which uh, we also play Akron this year. Um when we get to them, they yeah, I, ex- I expect that probably, one to go about the same. So. Probably the worst team that we play this season, but no, no, <laughs> State got got a win against them. So there all right, so this, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go. There's a real team sandwich between the two. Yeah, um, poor mm-hmm. Mid American teams if, there. If poor Ball State is the tune up, yeah. get the guys ready. Week two really is a good matchup. It's Tennessee's obviously their best uh, out of conference matchup. Johnny traveling to Pitt. A rematch from last year uh, mentioned it that Pitt got the upper hand on Tennessee the previous year. Pitt ended up the season eleven and three. They had a really good, uh, strong season last year. Won and the coastal. So, won the coastal. Uh, what are we thinking about this game, guys? Go ahead, Ben. Uh, well, you know, um, we're going to learn a lot about the team with this game because this is an opponent that I think is comparable to Tennessee. Um, I want to believe that Tennessee can win this one. Um, Pittsburgh, I think, is breaking in a new quarterback. First, that quarterback last year, you know, always we have this kid who comes in and acts like a Heisman mm-hmm. candidate. And uh, can, when the, can he pick it? What's his name? Yes, Pickett. Um, Pickett anyway, had a great year. So Pickett, and, 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 and he was great. Um, uh, the uh, offensive line and defensive line of Pitt are both pretty good, and they could be a problem. So, you know, as long as our offensive line holds up, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm going to give Tennessee the slight edge because I think we have more experience on offense. Um, but I don't know. This one could go either way. But obviously, I'm going to pick Tennessee to win this one. Slight so. edge for that and because it's the orange tinted glasses segment. And <laughs> you can't pick against the balls. I see, I see things similarly. So Pitt loses quarterback Kenny Pickett. You mentioned they lose their Boletnikoff winner, Jordan Addison, to USC. They also lose their offensive coordinator. Um, they're replacing a lot, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Now, they do restock. They bring in Keaton Slovis, formerly at USC. Um, so it, we'll, we'll see how it plays out for them. Um, I think they'll be a a good team down the road. I think they'll be you know competitive in the ACC, which it's hard not to be competitive in the ACC. Um, but, yeah, I think early, I think t- you know Tennessee brings back the quarterback. They bring back their coordinators. They kind of are set up to – be the more experienced team in this game. So I think that that plays out um, the opposite of last year where Pitt had the more experienced team. They weren't breaking in. The new guys came out on top. I think the balls do that in reverse this year. I have Tennessee 45-38. 
I like both of your optimism in this game. Uh, I do think that there are things that go Tennessee's favor. However, with that said, Tennessee's biggest asset in this game might be that it's an early season game before Pitt can get it figured out. But similarly, Pitt's biggest asset is that this is an early season game and Tennessee might still be getting things figured out. Uh, And so I think this one is going to be closer. I think it's also probably going to be a little... um, Less high scoring than it was a year ago. Not like, you know, 10 to 7 thing, but I think this could easily be like a 28 31, 28 35 kind of game. And I'm just going to just uh, to keep it a little more balanced, say that the home team has a bit of an edge there. Uh, they won it last year on the road. They're going to come in with some confidence. I'll give Pittsburgh the win here. Well, you kicked off the podcast. <laughs> Week three, another Mac team comes to Neyland. So September 17th, Akron comes to town. You mentioned Ben Akron, quite terrible last year. Ball State did beat them. Akron two and 10 record yeah, last year. Two and 10, two and 10, yeah. One and seven in conference. Um, gave up a lot of points, didn't score any points. It was ugly. Yeah, it was, it was bad for Akron last year, but obviously, I, I, we can spend as much time on this game as you guys want, but I think we'd all be in consensus agreement that this should be an easy away win ball's for Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, ball's big. Yeah, this is like a. I mean, Tennessee hangs sixty points this game. I think. I think this and, is even more than the Ball State game. This is the one where we get to see some backup players, backup quarterback, so we know that you know we can yeah, fight you, about who should be starting in a couple of weeks. Yeah, what yeah. you what you do this game is you just get out healthy before the yeah. Gators roll into town the following week. So Florida, September twenty yeah. fourth. It's uh, it's the game circled on most people's calendars, um, especially since Bama's. You know, reign of terror is still going. Yeah. So, uh, this is the fun one. This is in Neyland. Uh, Vols' last win came in 2016 in Neyland against Florida. One of their last uh, 17 versus Florida. Um, it's not been pretty. Um. Yeah. So, in my opinion, if the initial tone of the season is going to be heard in the pit game, which I think we all agree that is the initial tone setter for the season, um, I think the bulk of this season is going to hinge between September 24th and October 15th in this three-game stretch of Florida, LSU, and Alabama. Now, there is a bye week there, which is very, very nice. Um, Give you a little bit of chance to figure things out if you need to, or just maybe even to rest up and spend a little extra prep time. Um, But this is going to be a really crucial part of the Tennessee season. Steven, you mentioned that they've only won once, or their last win was in 2016, but I don't know if you got into this specifically. Tennessee has only beat Florida once since 2005. So the Gators have this curse, and we'll talk about curses with teams because thankfully Tennessee has their own version of that. Um, but this this curse against Florida is, you know, when I first moved here and started watching game with you games with you guys, and you would talk about this Florida curse, I thought you were crazy. And now I've lived here for a decade, and we've won once in that decade. I'm like, oh, for real. this is real. Because a mm-hmm. lot of those games, granted with some terrible coaches, but a lot of those games, we were in the driver's seat. Like I remember watching Florida games with you guys up at the church, and Tennessee's up like by 10, and you're just sitting there like, oh, man, this... I'm like, yeah. we're up 10, and then like no. we lose by like 12, and I'm like, oh, this is a thing. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, Florida was in the worst shape they've been in in a long time last year. Uh, Only won two conference games. Uh, They're bringing in a first-year head coach, um, you know, but it's a coach that, um, you know, had some success 
at um, Louisiana Monroe. And so what's he going to be able to do? Yeah, Lafayette, sorry. Um, What's he going to be able to do with this really bad roster? Because that's one thing we talked about last week in our SEC preview show. If you didn't listen to that one, go back and listen to it, audience. But we talked about the fact that this is probably the worst shape this Florida team has been in a long time. Mullins did not recruit not well. He just did not recruit, right? Yeah, just decided not to. But I think, you know, this Florida game is so crucial. And what happens the two weeks after that, or the two games after that, so crucial. So let's talk about this little murderous stretch. This is easily the toughest stretch on Tennessee's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes right in the meat of the season. You do get a bye, bye week in between there, so that is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hopefully either spend a week celebrating and not ha- maybe have that hangover going to LSU or lick your wounds before you go to LSU, whichever way the Florida game turns out. But... I like where this game falls. Um, you kind of get to test yourself against Pitt in a game that matters if you're a Vol fan, but doesn't matter for the outcome of your season. Then you get another game to kind of come back, tweak the things you you found were wrong before you get that Florida matchup. So I really like the way this plays out. Florida, on the flip side, has a really, really brutal schedule to start the year. Um, I mean, they go, they start with Utah this weekend before they get. I think they have, yeah. Then they get they go Utah, Kentucky. They get South Florida before we play them, and then they come to Knoxville. So, um, not the easiest stretch to start the year. We're going to find out a lot about this Florida team early. Um, but for the Tennessee side, I think we are uh, more experienced than them. They're breaking a new quarterback. He's not going to have had a chance to get comfortable. I think Nealon's rocking that day. I think Tennessee gets their second win in the last twenty years and uh, come out on top. Um, yeah, you know, if it was any other team, like if, if there was any other thing on their helmets, this is an easy win for Tennessee. I, I think, you know, we, um, you know, we match up well against Florida, but we always do something dumb against Florida, but I'm going to trust this team's, yeah, so I'm going to trust this team's leadership. One of the things I saw that I really liked is it seems like, you know, the players are gelling. There's some team chemistry there, which is really difficult to coach. Um, and I think that's going to be the difference is that these guys, you know, they they play as a team and lift each other up. And uh, I don't think they're going to get down. Uh, and so I think this is the year that we um, start a uh, break in the curse. And I think we're going to get the win in Knoxville. I wonder you're how much money year, you're never beat for. I no. wonder. how. Well, that's what we said last year, though. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much money it would take to pay Florida just to be like, hey, you just wear these like nondescript uniforms. <laughs> yeah, just all white. Your band just has to play this like neutral song. Like they yeah. can't, where, you know, like there's nothing to identify you as Florida in this game. Wear um, Kentucky colors and helmets. And you can true. show up with Tim Tebow and we'll win. I wonder yeah, how much yeah. we could pay like Google to develop like a Google Glass that we put it on and just makes like the players <laughs> all just see Kentucky players out there or something. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are right. Uh, I have, you know, this is, I have two games on the schedule, and then the next two that instead of putting a winner or loss prediction, I kind of put a push because these are games that I think could go either way. I think on paper, I think everything like that. Tennessee wins this Florida game. It's at home. You're gelling. You're second year to the coach. You're feeling good. All of those reasons. Uh, that just say Tennessee wins this game and can win this game by 20 points. Um, But it should and and might, you know, they really might. But with it being Florida, I just, you know, who knows? So I will pick (laughs) Tennessee to win this game. Um, But, uh, but, you know, at the same time, when we're sitting here on 
uh, September 27th or whatever that Monday will be. And we're like, Tennessee did it again. Like, I, I just, I won't yeah, be too shocked. It's, yeah. So. Taylor's all this time. We've been there many times. I know, I know. So, but I'll, I'll call that a win. Like you said, we get the bye week after that, which will be good. We'll either be able to, as Steven said, try to figure out what went wrong and fix it, or just really get to spend that extra week saying, hey, you did it. Now let's not lose focus. Let's spend some extra time so we don't have that hangover loss. Um, but then you have to travel to LSU. Now, interesting, the uh, SEC only had two new head coaches this offseason. We talked about that last week. And we get to play them both, uh, not in back-to-back weeks because there's that week off, but in back-to-back games. So we get Billy Napier up at Florida. Now we're going to get the former um, uh, Notre Dame coach, Brian Kelly, at LSU. And so how do you guys think this game plays out? Play this off, Ben. Well, um, this is the one, obviously, I want to call it a win. Um, A lot of people are talking up LSU, and, uh, you know, I I just don't know. I don't know enough about them. Um, And I don't know, you know, Brian Kelly's a good coach. Um, I'm not sure roster-wise, you know, if we're going to match up well against LSU. Um, People talk about, um, was it Death Valley being a, 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 isn't that where they play in what what they call their venue? Yeah. Yes. Um, There's two Death Valleys. Yeah, so people people talk people talk about that being a uh, you know um, a hostile environment, I, and, and I kind of feel like with Tennessee playing in Neyland every single Saturday that you know obviously it's the other way, but I mean you know that they're used to the noise, um, and so I don't know if it's going to affect them the same way it would you know a team like Akron or something like that if they go in there. Um, so you know obviously I want to call this a win. Uh, because I really want Tennessee to be undefeated when they go into that Alabama game, and uh, you guys didn't ask me on here to call it a loss. So that's kind of <laughs> where <laughs> that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, you know, once again, uh, if we talk about this as we come in later, by the way, I do have Tennessee undefeated at, the, at this point. Um, I have not okay. picked a loss. I have not picked a loss yet. Neither has Stephen. Um, yeah, I, I will. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this a win, just a, maybe a slight edge. I, I, I and honestly, like I said, I just don't. I don't have enough information on LSU, but I, I just I like what Tennessee's doing. Um, I, you know, our defense is a question mark. There are some issues there, but um, I feel like with the experience that we have and the talent that we have, uh, you know, we should be in a good place. I agree. I think Tennessee is the better team. <laughs> I think Tennessee comes into this game with momentum, and I think Tennessee should get a win here. Um, however. I don't think Tennessee does get the win here. There's are games every year, no matter who you are, unless you're Alabama, that you just things don't break your way. You just come up short. You know something happens. You throw that late pick. Something weird happens, and LSU is good enough to where if you aren't playing your best game, they're going to beat you. It's at home. It's going to be loud. That stadium is a different animal. I, you know, I think that I agree with you that it's not necessarily going to affect them like it could some. But Neyland is not loud when you have the ball. It's loud when you're on defense. And so um, where I wish I could pick the balls to win this game, and I think the balls are better than LSU, I think that after the Florida win, it's just a little too much to ask them to go on the road to Death Valley and get that win. I have a close loss but the first loss of the year for the balls. 
Wah, wah. This is another one of those push games for me. I think that this game could go either way. If Tennessee comes into this game with a rolling offense, putting up, you know, 35, 45 points a game, then I think they can hang in it and they can, you know, have that shootout and potentially win with LSU because I think LSU is going to be physical uh, between the lines, between the tackles kind of thing. I think they're going to want to establish a heavy run game presence. And obviously, if their defense is able to keep Tennessee in check, then I think you could see one of those games where time of possession is very lopsided towards LSU. Um, But unlike the Kentucky game last year where possession was lopsided in Kentucky's favor, but Tennessee still scored like on one or two play drives, I think if their defense can shut Tennessee down and they can control that line of scrimmage, then this could easily go LSU's way. It will be a hostile environment. It will be... um, you know, uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at LSU's schedule. I need to pull it up real quick to see who they're playing before they play Tennessee. But it's definitely going to be one of their bigger, I think, tests for this new coach. Um, so I'm not ready to put a win or a loss here um, other than to say that this this game stretch that's coming up between Florida, LSU, and then Alabama, uh, Tennessee desperately has to win uh, at least one of those games. You'd love for them to win two, but they have to win one. You can't come out of that stretch 0-3. It really, really put a damper on the rest of the season. Um, so I think this is a push game. I think Tennessee can win this game, but I also can't be mad that they don't. Uh, real quick, the schedule for LSU before then, uh, week one they play Florida State, so that's their big out-of-conference. And then they play Southern U. They play Mississippi State, so they have an in-conference game, um, but it's at home. Then they have New Mexico, um, and then Auburn, and then Tennessee. So maybe we catch them coming oh, off that week. Auburn game. Um, not before the Tennessee game. Uh, it was 4th, 10th, 17th, 24th. No, no, because there's only 30 days in October or in September. Yeah, so. It should be the first. Yeah, October 1st is the Auburn game, and then October 8th is the Tennessee game. So, you know, maybe you catch them after that Auburn game. They played by that point, uh, you know, two conference games. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I think it's a winnable game, but I think it's also a game that Tennessee could drop and it not be a huge indicator of a problem, if that makes sense. I love Let me it. get Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Good. Let's see how tinted Ben's yeah. glasses are. I'll let Ben sit on it for a minute. Uh, <laughs> well, I, oh, go ahead. I think the Vols are. Um, good enough to keep it close, much like last year. I think it'll be a fun game for a long time. I think they'll come up short late. But I think that uh, Tennessee will show out well again. This is in Knoxville, which always helps. Um, so I hope that that plays out in in their favor. Um, but I do. I think they come up short. Uh, close game, most of the game. Fourth quarter gets out of their hands. Well, you know, this is that stretch, like Nick's been talking about, uh, this kind of gauntlet of, of really difficult games. You've just come off a, a game um, at LSU, which hopefully is a win. Uh, and I just don't think there's any way you can get out of that with a, without a loss. Um, Alabama, we saw last year that I feel like the gap is closing, but it's not closed. Um, they, they're they going to have more talent than us and more personnel. Um, so, yes, I, I'm with Steven. I think we can keep this one close. I think... You know, going into the fourth quarter, we're going to be hanging with them. But I, I just don't think we can go uh, all the way to the wire. And I've got to pick a loss. 
And so, um, cause I, you know, I don't, we're not going to go undefeated or anything like that. So, um, as much as I, as much as it pains me now, if we talk about this again, later in the season, I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind and call this a win as we get closer. Um, but right now I'll say that, uh, the Bama game is going to be, it's going to be a loss. So it'll be our first loss of the season, but, All right. but and bonus that, that Bama game, uh, will be a top 10 matchup because Tennessee will be undefeated. Bama be undefeated. Uh, so yeah, top 10 matchup between two undefeated teams. First time since 1999. I'll take that. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just think that this is one of those matchups where until Alabama proves there's some kind of decline and Tennessee doesn't step up a little more, that this is a game that you just say goes to Alabama. And then if Tennessee comes and makes a surprise, you are just on cloud nine. Uh, now what I'm surprised uh, Ben didn't say follow up his first predicted loss for the season was to say, but the second time this season, when we meet Alabama, that's when we get sure. to win. Uh, um, I actually, it's coming, it's coming, baby. Obviously getting them in Knoxville is great. We saw, I mean, Hey, Pruitt almost beat Bama here in Knoxville. Yeah, so I mean, we know that it's possible. It's just not likely. Um, but you know, Get out of that game with no major injuries, with no major storylines that are hurting you, and uh, and then just go on because after that you get Tennessee Martin, uh, and yeah, that should be an easy win. Around. By the yeah. way, just to cover some of those, Florida was six and seven last year, LSU was six and seven last year, and Alabama was thirteen and two. I don't know if we covered theirs. Um, Tennessee Martin was ten and three last year, guys. Don't discount them. Yeah, they yeah. lost yeah. in the Division One, uh, Division One. Championship, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So, so I know they're still way worse than us. We're going to beat the full out of them. Yeah, good sure. for them. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at least they tried. Keeping yeah. some money in the state, paying Tennessee Martin to come out here and let us, you know, get some basically, to, basically get another bye week, right? I mean, that's yeah, kind of what that is. And you get to exercise some demons. Um, I have yeah. back to back losses there. Um, you know, that's the first loss of the year for, for Ben. So you get to exercise some demons just in time for. Your good old friends from up north to come down to the holy grail of college football <laughs> and take yet another L in Neyland Stadium. Yeah, so that's Kentucky, Tennessee is what Steven's talking about for those of you that are confused because he just used a lot of words that didn't include any team names. So <laughs> Kentucky, preseason ranked number 20. Uh, yeah. by, uh, coming in, they were 10-3 and three last year. So Tennessee did beat them, but they did have a really good record last year. They were a good team. It'll be ten and three every year because they don't well, play. Yeah, I'm gonna say look at their look at their out of conference schedule and, and look at their in conference schedule. It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. Yes, I will give you Kentucky schedule real fast. Yeah, I'll I'll gladly play Mississippi State every year, and they can play Alabama, and we'll see how that goes. Miami, Ohio, Florida, Week Two, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Missouri, Vandy, Georgia, Louisville. Not bad. That's a yeah, I mean, good eight ten season. There's not a lot of losses in that schedule. Yeah. I mean, really not. I mean, uh, you know, Tennessee would would win with that schedule too. As we mentioned though earlier, if there is a Florida Tennessee curse, there is a Kentucky Tennessee curse, and this one actually benefits the Volunteers. Uh, it seems on. like no matter what's going on, the Wildcats just somehow shoot themselves in the foot and uh, drop that game. And so this year it's in uh, Neyland, so they come to Knoxville. I do love how this game is seemingly getting poised at that last weekend of um, October. 
the last several years, maybe forever, and I just never realized it, but it's always right around Halloween. It's usually a night game. It's a fun it's atmosphere. Um, so uh, it's just an enjoyable time. And, and yeah, you know, I know November game. they're not like uh, the biggest rivals in the world or anything, but I feel like there's a nice uh, enough of a rivalry there that it's just a really fun game. Uh, yeah. I, I think Tennessee wins this game. Um, for the same reason that, uh, you know, it's hard to pick against Florida. That curse is real. Tennessee, I think, is just a better team. And Kentucky's going to get there with an inflated uh, win record without having fought as much as Tennessee has fought, right? Tennessee's going to be a lot more tested and tried when they get there. And I think that carries them down the stretch if they need it. I don't even know if they're going to need it, but it certainly carries them down the stretch if they need it. Yeah, yeah I mean- um- I'll go ahead. You're good. You're good. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I think this is going to be a win too. Um, Kentucky, you know, kudos to Kentucky for being a competent football team. Uh, you know, way to go. Uh, um, and that's that's something that you don't really hear a whole lot. It tastes weird coming out of my mouth. Those words, me saying it, but but really, um, you know, I think uh, Kentucky has reached the the pinnacle of what they're capable of. Don't um, disrespect I, the football school like that. <laughs> Sorry, but they're, they're basketball school. You know that. So <laughs> um, <laughs> Calipari says. But um, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, Tennessee is the better team this year. Last year, I don't know that we were. Uh, we still won. Um, but I think, you know, with the changes that we've made and the additions that we've made this year, we are, you know, legit better. Uh, we play this game at home. Um and uh, and I think this hopefully will be a comfortable win. I, you know, I'd like for this one to be out of hand uh, for Kentucky. You know, in the fourth quarter, I don't want it to be close. But yeah. I would love to think that at some point, um, Mark Stoops is texting Bob Stoops like, "What should I do on this play?" With no more details than that, and Bob like, "Dude, I'm watching on my Roku. I am on a delay. I don't know what's <laughs> going." You know, I just I could see that happening. It would be great. Um, do you close the year with a nice little stretch if you're a ball fan? Um, after this Georgia game, though. Yeah. Because next you Georgia. got Georgia, 14 and 1, national championship, yeah. extremely dominant team, but one that we said last week, Stephen. How many do you remember? How many defensive players they had drafted? It's like nine, nine defensive players drafted. I mean, they, first round. they are completely reloading. Uh, with that said, they're completely uh, stacked team still. Yeah, they so, got left the town. Um, obviously, Georgia's the favorite team in the East. Um, we go there. Um, I've got this down as a loss. I think this is just a game that uh, maybe Tennessee is able to catch Georgia in a year or two of some more recruiting, some more getting pieces in the proper place. But I just think right now Georgia's too good. And Georgia loses 15 players to the draft, nine defensive, five first-rounders, all defensive players. Historic season for Georgia. It was. Um, it won't be as good, but they're still better than Tennessee right now. Um, if this game was at home, I would feel much better. It's not, so I don't feel very good. Um, I have Georgia. Again, Tennessee fares better than they did last year. They give them some fits with that high pace offense. They gave them a little bit of a trouble early last year. Um, but Georgia runs away late. Yeah, I think last year uh, Tennessee was the first team all season to score on their opening drive. I, I, I may be wrong there, but it was something like that. Uh, and we put up a fair amount of points on them. Um, but yeah, we just you know we're still we're building up our talent and we're building up our depth. Uh, but we're still just not quite there to compete with Georgia. So uh, I will have to call this one a loss as well. 
Yeah, unfortunately so. Uh, great, great team. We'll see what happens as it gets closer. I mean, that's the good thing about this preseason show. When it comes week to week to pick these, not only can they flip because of our, you know, love for Tennessee, but they could flip because we could get there and see that, oh man, Georgia really is struggling and this is a very winnable game. But looking at it here before yeah. the season starts, it uh, looks like, you know, Georgia's in the driver's seat for the East again uh, until proven otherwise. And so uh, that proving otherwise could happen sooner rather than later. But here we sit, you know, Couple days before uh, Tennessee's first game, it, you know that that looks like a loss at this moment. But then, like Stephen mm-hmm. said, we finish out the season well. We have uh, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Missouri was six and seven last year. South Carolina was seven and six, and Vandy was two and ten. Talk to us about these games, guys. Uh, Missouri, um, I don't, I don't foresee Missouri being any better. Um, Eli Drinkwitz is, you know, celebrating the fact that we are going to, have to forfeit one of those games. Not because they fared well, just because Brewer got caught cheating. So apparently that's all he cares about. So good for him. Tennessee just destroys Missouri yet again, this time at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're going to annihilate Missouri. Uh, that game was super fun last year. Uh, I, enjoyed I enjoyed it. it. Uh, and, you know, we scored, I think, Missouri and South Carolina. We both scored 28 points in the first quarter, uh, which was fantastic. So that game was out of reach, even, you know, barely after it started. Um, so yeah, we'll beat Missouri. Uh, I, I think we, we should beat them handily. Uh, it'll be a fun game. We'll we'll put up a lot of points and 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 have a lot of guys with some sort of Xbox like numbers. Um, so yeah, easy dub. Uh, Jesus's yeah. team the next week in South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, they their thing last year was, hey, you know, if you take away the first quarter, they're in that game. Well, that first quarter we scored 107 points, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> yes, that way. Yes, <laughs> um, it will be closer this year. It's on the road. Shane Beamer will be, you know, going for his six and six conference title winning or national quarter or national coach of the year, whatever he's going for next year at seven and five. <laughs> uh, we will beat him once again. Uh, not that it will matter to anybody else, but all fans. I do think South Carolina is a better team than they were a year ago. Um, that helps by the fact that you're not starting a graduate assistant at quarterback. Um, they bring in Spencer Rattler. Um, and, you know, I don't think Spencer Rattler is a phenomenal quarterback, but I do think what? he's going to be an improvement from what they had last year. Um, he's a very talented athlete, and we'll see what he's able to do. Uh, with that said, I think that Tennessee is the better team. I think Tennessee is in a better portion of their schedule. They've had a lot of um, big games behind them, and now they're looking forward to um, finishing the season strong. So I think Tennessee wins that game as well. Uh, sorry, Nick, I cut you out on Missouri. Did you have anything else to add to Missouri? Um, No. I thought okay. it was a win. Like I said that. Good. Yeah. Last game of the year, uh, we're playing at Neyland West this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that is Vandy Stadium in Nashville that Tennessee yeah. packs. Vandy looked great against Y, and maybe they will be better. And they have beaten Tennessee in the past. Um, they're not beating Tennessee this year. No. No, they won't, man. Um, they, you know, they did look pretty solid. Good on them for having, you know, athletic play uh, from their offense. Um, I don't Way know. Way to not embarrass yourself, man. Yes. Uh, you know, so so th- that was good. And obviously, I, I want to see that team get better. I'm not, you know, I don't know that Tennessee fans should be threatened by Vanderbilt improving. Um, but, you know, good on them. You know, good good for Clark Lee for having them ready to go. And um, But, yeah, I, I think we should win that one handily as well. 
Not so fast, my friends. Okay, this Vanderbilt time. team is going to lose so many games this year in the Tennessee games, and another one of them as well. Good job starting off the season with a win. It's going to get more difficult from there. Not completely, because you got plenty of cupcakes along the way, but you also have an SEC schedule. You finished two and ten last year. You'll have an improvement from that, but you're not. Uh, you're not winning the East. You're not winning the SEC, and you're not even winning this Tennessee game. Does Vanderbilt win any SEC games this season? They didn't win any last season. Do we think they'll win any this season? Who do they play? Let's go look. They get. It's probably no, but Vanderbilt gets. Um, Bamba and Ole Miss, so that sucks. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a no. They could, could they, they could beat Missouri. Could they beat or Florida? Could they beat Florida? I don't think they beat Florida. South Florida Carolina comes to them. How awesome South. would it be if Vanderbilt beat South Carolina? It would Wouldn't be awesome. Matter I, would, to anybody. I would be a hundred percent okay with that. Um, it would it matter to you because you hate the Steve. Uh, you hate the Shane Beamer talk. You would it's, you want South Carolina to lose absurd. everything? I know, but this is why I'm saying you would like that. Don't sit there and say you wouldn't care. I'm saying nobody in the media would care because it's still Shane Beamer's team, and they'll still froth at the mouth for the guy. They'll actually like. Yeah. Well, even though Vandy scored more points, we're going to go ahead and award. Uh, yeah. Shane Beamer and his boys yeah. the win. Yeah, you're going to have somebody like TCU go undefeated in their first year, and they're going to be like, "Well, we're going to give Coach of the Year to six and six South Carolina Shane Beamer." Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's just it's asinine the love for him. And I don't get the love. I don't get the love. Quick aside, it, did you guys see how um uh, how sad Corso is right now? Uh I did not. From from game day. I didn't game. watch any of it, but I heard I saw he, on Twitter that he was not looking yeah, great. He's I feel bad. How, how, how old they is gotta, he? Not young. They gotta they gotta do something. They gotta stop trotting him out there. He was incoherent most of the day. Well, the problem is ESPN does a terrible job of developing talent. They bring in these guys that were great quarterbacks at these programs and give them a chance and let them call these, you know, low-level games, but they never develop. Yeah. I mean, if who? I, if you had to guess, how old would you think LaCorso is? Uh, I guess. would say, I bet he's in his 80s. I'll say. I would say 81. 83. 83, and what did you say, Ben? 81. Yeah, he's 87. Ooh. Dang. He is up there. Yeah, um, I, knew, I knew he had to be in his 80s. So. Talking about the nuances of the college football game moving into the NIL area, NIL yeah. era is this guy who yeah, is nearly 90. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. That's that for the previews. Yeah, let's That's talk about final score. I final. think I'm at, not a record, sorry. I think I'm at 9 and 3. 10 and 2. Go balls. Two. Okay. So here we go. I think that this parade right now. <laughs> I think that eight and four is a realistically optimistic final record. Uh, so that's, with that is with, the that is the floor, man. Uh, eight, eight and four is the floor. I yes. think I think that is realistically uh, an obtainable and likely final record. I think nine and three is optimistically in reach if things not only go UT's way. But a couple of things really have to fall on our, you know, fall our way, right? Um, anything mm-hmm. above nine and three is a little too thick of an orange cover glass. Boo. Now you say, Boo. you say eight and four is the ceiling. Honestly, I think seven really? and five that's, that's is as bad as it that's could the get. Floor seven the and five is. I think seven and five. 
would should be maybe it wouldn't be maybe maybe I was discounting this. I think seven and five should be acceptable by the fan base. That would be an improvement from last year. You you haven't gotten better. Well, seven and five, then you go and you end up eight and five in your bowl game. Um, that has you losing to teams like Bama, LSU, Pitt, and then two potential surprises along the way, whether that's LSU, whether that's Florida, whether that's a team like Kentucky, right? So I think you're sitting there saying like seven and five is an impossible thing. But if you are saying that, um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's possible to go. It's not a good season. And I'm sorry. I even said, I I didn't even put Georgia in there. So if you're losing to Bama and Georgia guaranteed, right. Uh, And then you have not guaranteed. No, I'm not guaranteed. I, mean, I know. That's why you play the game. We're going to play the game for a reason. We're going to so. play. The, I, I, I understand that. But if you were having to put oh, your house man. against it right now on those two games. I would bet my Boba Fett action figures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, whereas I think. Those are I his think, prize possessions. I think right. eight and four, nine and three are much more likely. I don't think we need to be burning down the stadium at seven and five. I think seven and five uh, is possible. We would burn couches. We've done that before. We wouldn't burn the the stadium. The thing that, you know, the thing I think about, like if, if Hendon Hooker gets hurt um, and, you know, you're, you're in that middle stretch with Joe Joe Milton, then yeah, you're at least getting it Yeah, There are ways where Um, seven and five is okay. Yeah. So, so obviously, you know, there are things that, um, you know, are outside of our control and, um, yes. Stuff like that. So you know, I'm, that whole ten and two prediction. Obviously, that was you know, a little, little ambitious, but that is with everybody being healthy all season, which will not happen. Somebody will get hurt. We're going to have some key right. injuries, no doubt. Um, yeah, seven and five. If bad things happen outside of your control, meaning injuries or things, suspensions or something like that, that is different. Assuming health, assuming that your key players make it the full season. Eight and four should be the lowest that is, um, I don't want to say acceptable, but palatable, I guess. Like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be happy with eight and four. I won't be ecstatic. I'll be okay with eight and four. I would be disappointed in seven to five. I'm not angry. I'm not, you know, you know, taking pitchforks to the stadium, but I would be very disappointed with seven to five. I think seven to five, as long as you win your bowl game, is acceptable. I think that's fine. Uh, Real quick, yeah, well, in, in year two. It, Incorrect, but keep going. <laughs> Real quick, to wrap it up, we're going to rapid fire some... There's big, big games this weekend. A lot of big games this weekend. Should be a good weekend of college football. I'm, we're just going to pick a few. Arkansas-Cincinnati. Cincinnati made the playoff last year. Arkansas was the surprise team. Cincinnati's tw- number 23 in the country. Arkansas 19. Ben, who you got? I, I got to pick Arkansas, even though I really want Cincinnati to win. I think they can. <laughs> but This uh, is the sneaky, fun matchup of the weekend for me. Nick? I take Arkansas in that game. Yeah, clean sweep. I think Arkansas gets it done, uh, which means Cincinnati wins, so go ahead and put your money there. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Oregon, number 11. Georgia, number three. Uh, Dan Lanning plays his old team. Who we got? Oh, Georgia wins. Georgia, I, Nick? I, I like this yeah. one because Georgia is reloading so much that it's going to take them a little bit to get things figured out. They would much rather have this game a week three as opposed to week one. With mm-hmm. that said, I think Georgia still has the edge here. Both teams um, reloading some things. Obviously, Georgia reloading players. Oregon yep. reloading a coach. But I'll take uh, I'll take uh, Georgia. Yeah, Bo Nix has had three chances to beat Georgia. He's not done it. He's not doing it in try number four. Georgia wins. 
Uh, let's see. Florida, Utah. Utah, number seven in the country. This game is um, close on the uh, FPI here. Yeah, this is the Urban Meyer Bowl. Right. Um, <laughs> he might even be there. That would be fun. Yeah, with Fox. America loses. Maybe, maybe he'll get a heart attack or something like that. He won't be able to He say. will fake one, that's for sure. Yeah. He only does that when he's coaching. He's fine when he's commentating. Uh, I'll take Florida here. Ooh, you take Florida over Utah, number seven. I'm actually going to. I'm taking Utah. I think I think Utah wins yeah, that, one. and I actually think they win it pretty handily. Yeah, I think I think Utah wins it and uh, does not get the Billy Napier air start off all. Um, arguably the biggest game of the week. Um, number five Notre Dame, number two Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State currently favored by somewhere around 17, 17 and a half points. Yeah, I like what Ryan Day is doing at Ohio State. I said it back when he was first hired that I didn't think it would work out, so we knew that was not going to be the case. So uh, Ohio State gets to be here. Yeah, I despise both of these teams. Um, I hate yeah. them with a passion that burns hotter than the heat of a thousand suns. Rooting for um, the asteroid. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, uh, if I had to pick a team, I'd pick Ohio State. But I'm just going to pretend that game isn't happening in Omri. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's the same time as Florida, Utah. You can just watch that yeah. game, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I'll go out and mow the yard or something. I'm not watching yeah. that game. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Freeman, tough start to his career there. His, you know, he takes over Notre Dame. Um, not who you want to face first is Ohio State. I think it's closer than, than that spread is, but uh, I do think Ohio State wins it. Any other games? Uh, no. I mean, yeah. Yeah, bunch, well, yeah. But, but any, um, any worth no. mentioning? No. All right. No. My final question, and we're out of time, so I just need a quick answer from you, and that is, if Tennessee goes 10-2, 9-3, good stretch, does Hooker get an invite to New York City for the Heisman Trophy? Yes. I I have him going and finishing fourth. So, my per my comment earlier, if Tennessee goes to 10-2, they've done it on the back of Hendon Hooker. So yes, I think it gets an invite. I mean, he's not going to win, uh, you know. But yeah. the man, the man could single-handedly beat Alabama and Georgia, and he wouldn't win. It wouldn't matter. He <laughs> could cure cancer. He could, he could literally cure cancer on the field. Be like, hey, I'll cure cancer also, and beat Bama. They'd be well, like, no, I'm sorry. In complete <laughs> fairness, it's an if, award for football performance, not for curing cancer. If Peyton Manning could win the Heisman, they're not giving it to Hendenhooker. No, no. All right. All right. Uh, ben, closing thoughts, comments, anything that you want to say into this season, Tennessee football, anything football related, anything at all? Uh, well, um, I'm excited about this season. It, it, the feeling is a little weird because normally going into the season, uh, I'm convincing myself that a bad team is going to be good. Um, and this year, I feel like this is probably a good team. I don't know about great, but good. Um, and um trying to convince myself that they're not going to be bad, uh, which is a weird feeling. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, I, going into all the games. I feel like there's a chance that we can win. Um, I don't like sure losses. And this year, I think we have even, you know, I'm going to be even further from calling any any game a sure loss. So okay. I like, like what Josh Apple's doing and, and look forward to seeing the season play out. We plugged your Twitter at the start of the show. Is there anything else that we can plug for you? I know you're in a band. Are you guys playing anywhere soon or anything like that? Uh, well, uh, yeah, my band Latitude 35, we actually uh, are working on uh, some Twitch, some live 
stream concerts on Twitch, and uh, I don't have any of those scheduled just yet. So nice. I'll, ha- I'll have to get back to you with when, when well, we get those. Yeah, be sure to let us know. We'll host it on our uh, Twitch channel as well, get you some views that way. We'll be sure the audience knows about that as well. Steven, any closing thoughts on your end? Get your big orange cups out. It's, it's going to be again. a great season of college football. Week zero was already fun. Week one's looking to be better. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 92 of the Sports Corner Podcast. We took a deep dive into the University of Tennessee Volunteers, what we think they're going to be able to accomplish in this upcoming season. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to our special guest, Ben, for coming on and giving us some insight analysis. Stephen, <laughs> for giving us some lackluster knowledge. And of course, for me, for being awesome. Don't forget that you can register to win a $25 Amazon gift card in our contest. Until next week, we'll see you then.